It's time. Time for what, you might ask? It's time to optimize your health and upgrade your life. Cutting-edge research, biohacks, ancestral wisdom, wellness, intuition, and more. This is The Synthesis of Wellness. Your host and biohacker Chloe Porter has a background in engineering, innovation, and research. Her analytical background coupled with her journey in overcoming a brain tumor and defeating several chronic illnesses enables her to approach health and wellness in an innovative way. And now more than ever, she is ready to share her biohacking secrets and expose cutting edge research. We are so glad you're here. Welcome to the Synthesis of Wellness podcast. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Synthesis of Wellness podcast. If you're new to the show, welcome. I'm Chloe. I'm an engineer, former lab research scientist, now author. If you are a returning listener and you like the podcast, definitely check out my Instagram at Synthesis of Wellness. I love sharing my health and wellness research almost every single day, my biohacked routines, recipes. Oftentimes, I present the info in bite-sized biohacks, so it's just easy to read quickly and get as much value from it as possible. Now, before we get into the meat of today's episode, don't forget to scroll down and check out 75 Gut Healing Strategies and Biohacks. It's a book all about restoring the gut after mold exposure, Lyme disease, and more. I wrote the book because of my own dedication to scientific research, coupled with my personal journey in healing from these ailments myself. So with that said, definitely go and check out the link below in the show notes if you're interested. Okay, so today, a topic near and dear to my heart, gut health, but more specifically, intestinal stem cells. So we're going to talk about a few different things as they all relate to the intestinal barrier and like I said, intestinal stem cells. And since we're just diving right in today, I want to set the stage by going over a quick review of what these intestinal stem cells, or I might call them ISCs, are, and the role that they play within the gut's overall anatomy. So first, if we're going from the inside of the gut, or the gut lumen, and making our way towards the gut wall, so we're going outward, we would first encounter a layer of mucus. So again, going inward from the gut lumen, outward towards the gut wall, and we're now moving past a bunch of those microbes, we first encounter a layer of mucus. This mucus varies throughout the intestine. Now in the small intestine, the mucus forms a thin discontinuous layer, which facilitates the absorption of nutrients. But in the large intestine, it has two layers. So the two layers consist of an inner layer in which there are no microbes, no bacteria. 
and then a layer of external mucus that physically separates that intestinal lumen from the epithelium. So the mucus component, what's it made of? It's more than 98% water, and then we've got mucins and glycoproteins. Now in the layer of mucus in the large intestines where we don't have bacteria, so you know if we were moving from the lumen towards the intestinal wall, we have that lumen and then that first layer of mucus where we've got some microbes, but then that second layer of mucus where we don't have bacteria, we also have things like secretory IgA, antimicrobial products, catholicidins, and ribonucleases, for example, which are actually responsible for reinforcing the physical separation of that microbiota. So all those things add to that physical separation. So, so far, if we're moving from the inside of the gut outward, we have gut lumen and microbiota. Then assuming we're in the large intestines, we've got the first layer of mucus where microbiota are still present. And then even closer to the epithelium, we have the layer of mucus where microbiota are no longer present. Now, let's move through the gut wall just a bit more. So just beyond that second layer or sterile layer of mucus, we have the intestinal epithelium with its tight junctions. And of course, this intestinal epithelium is what many would think of as the essential component of the intestinal barrier, and it separates the microbiota from those underlying immune cells. So what we also need to know about this barrier is that it is composed of a monolayer, so a single layer of specialized epithelial cells which are renewed every three to five days. And guys, that is incredibly fast. Now, also structurally speaking, we do remember that the surface area of the intestinal epithelium is increased as a result of having or supporting these tiny folds or finger-like projections, which are called villi. So these villi protrude into the intestinal lumen and we would refer to the protruding part of the villi as the villi tip. And then between each protrusion, we can call that the crypt. So these crypts are very important for today's discussion. They basically are the home of these pluripotent stem cells, these intestinal stem cells that continually divide and differentiate themselves as they immigrate outward towards the tip of the villi further within the gut lumen. And that generates the different cell types that we see in that monolayer of epithelial cells that make up the gut epithelium. And some of these cells include things like enterocytes. These are our main absorbers. And then we have goblet cells, enteroendocrine cells, and M cells. And also important to note is that some of the stem cells differentiate into what are called panith cells. And these ones actually remain in the crypt rather than immigrating out towards the tip of the villi further in towards the gut lumen. So to summarize, these stem cells in the crypt differentiate into enterocytes, goblet cells, enteroendocrine cells, M cells, and panith cells. So as you can imagine, if we have an issue with either the function of or the supply of these pluripotent intestinal stem cells, we are going to have a pretty ginormous issue 
with maintaining the health, structure, and function of the gut lining. Now, before we go too much deeper on that, we do need to address one more thing, the immune system. So if we continue our journey and move outward once again, just beyond that single layer of epithelial cells, which again can be any of those different types that we just talked about, we have immune cells. So more specifically, we have what is called the lamina propria that contains innate and adaptive immune cells, including macrophages, regulatory T cells, B cells, neutrophils, dendritic cells, plasma cells, mast cells. And ultimately, all these immune cells, all these guys are protecting against those microorganisms that try and penetrate the epithelium. Okay, so now with all of that said, starting again from the inside of the gut lumen and moving outward towards the gut lining, we've got through the layers of the gut lining, we've gone through them. We went from the gut lumen and microbiota to the mucosa, to the epithelium, and then to the immune cells. Now, there's really just one last thing that I want to go over, and it might be helpful to review, and that is a reminder of these tight junctions. So remember that for cells to form this single layer of epithelial cells, this epithelium, they need to be attached to the membrane by intercellular junctions. These junctions are classified into three groups, intercellular junctions, anchor junctions, and communicating junctions. And what we need to remember from what we just went over a second ago is that those epithelial cells of the intestine proliferate and renew rapidly. So the tight junction proteins that make up these, ultimately that make up these junctions, they must be regulated to avoid any deleterious effect on the integrity of the barrier as a whole. And if not, what happens? Well, any defects in the barrier with the tight junctions open per se, maybe they are just open or dysregulated and, and the opening is really just dysregulated for a prolonged period of time that can allow the passage of antigens from the diet or bacteria, a situation known as leaky gut syndrome or simply increased intestinal permeability. So we don't want that passage of antigens from the diet or bacteria. So now, finally, I think it's important to also tie all of this back to intestinal stem cells because you might be thinking, well, how does leaky gut tie back to stem cells, intestinal stem cells? What we need to remember is that these intestinal stem cells at the crypt of the villi are responsible for differentiating into cells of the epithelium and therefore renewing the single layer of epithelial cells that make up that gut lining. And now what's also important to note is that one of these types of cells, as we went over earlier, is called an enterocyte. And this specific cell is very largely responsible for making the proteins that form these tight junctions. So again, we need those intestinal stem cells to both function properly and be in good supply in order to differentiate into all those specialized cell types so that those cells can then perform their duties and maintain the overall integrity of the gut lining, whether you know it be from mucus secretion by those goblet cells or 
tight junction protein production like we're talking about now by these enterocytes. All in all, each of the specialized cells that make up the single layer of intestinal epithelial cells once came from an intestinal stem cell. So we need those intestinal stem cells. They're like the first step in renewing and repairing the gut. So with that said, when it comes to repair and renewal, which again, the gut lining is very good at doing because again, it does this very quickly. Like we said, four to five days, four to five days, those stem cells are vital. Okay. Now there are several different things that can disrupt the intestinal stem cell pool or just alter the function of intestinal stem cells. But of course, we really do not have time to get through all of those. So for the sake of brevity and today's episode, let's first broadly talk about aging and just talk about how aging alone can affect intestinal stem cells. So a very recent study looked at aged intestinal stem cells. Perhaps maybe they were run down due to reactive oxygen species, mitochondrial dysfunction, DNA damage, all those hallmarks of aging. But this study looked at the aged intestinal stem cells versus young intestinal stem cells. And they noted that the gene activity of the intestinal stem cells was different in the aged population than that in the younger population. So basically they found that the aged stem cells carried more of what are called MHC class II molecules on their surface, which are basically these important markers for the immune system. So essentially these MHC class II molecules enable more interactions to occur between the stem cells and T cells of the immune system. And what we know is that these T cells are very much responsible for instigating the production of many pro-inflammatory messengers that further drive inflammation. And why is this so significant? Well, to summarize, the permanent contact of the intestinal epithelium with the microbiome on the one hand and the immune cells on the other can lead to this chronic state of inflammation just as a result of these aging intestinal stem cells that carry more MHC class II molecules on their surface. So basically, the older the stem cells get, the more run down, the more MHC class II expression, and then more interactions between T cells of the immune system and stem cells of the epithelium can occur And that interaction can lead to the production of more and more pro-inflammatory messenger molecules. So all of that is to say that an aging gut, or more specifically, an aging pool of intestinal stem cells starts expressing more and more characteristics that enable inflammation to more readily occur within the lining of the gut and subsequently chronic inflammation to occur in the body systemically. So with that, we can see that aging intestinal stem cells are certainly an issue when it comes to inflammation of the GI tract, but there are a lot of other issues that can harm these intestinal stem cells and wreak havoc on the cells that are then further on in the lineage of differentiation as well. Meaning that aside from aging, 
making the stem cells themselves more conducive to inflammation. Any alteration to the function or supply of these intestinal stem cells is also going to have a whole host of downstream effects because as we went over, we really need these intestinal stem cells to be in both good supply and to function well so that they can both self-replicate and differentiate into the specialized cell types that then make up the intestinal epithelium. And really, just to hit this point home, what is an example of something that can disrupt or deplete the supply of our intestinal stem cells? You know, an extrinsic thing, external. So we're, we're pushing aging aside for just a moment. For one thing, intestinal dysbiosis. Intestinal dysbiosis can disrupt the function of the regulatory T-cells, which we like, T-Rex cells, because these guys are responsible for promoting self-renewal of intestinal stem cells. And so as a result of this disruption, the intestinal stem cell pools can become exhausted. So here we've gone over how aging in and of itself can affect how stem cells function. But we've also gone over things like dysbiosis and how that can affect the intestinal stem cells' ability to self-renew, which can, of course, lead to depletion over time. And then what happens then? So without properly functioning intestinal stem cells that are in great supply, we have a gut lining that becomes more and more incapable of renewing and repairing itself. Now, those are just two issues that can deplete or disrupt the function of intestinal stem cells. But like I alluded to earlier, it's very important to remember that there are many things, many other things, that can disrupt these precious stem cells as well. And as a side note, and going back to aging in particular, I need to also mention that aged stem cells often show characteristics of mitochondrial dysfunction, possibly due to the accumulation of reactive oxygen species. And they have other things going on like DNA damage and changes in gene expression. And we went over some of these briefly earlier, but I wanted to reiterate that. So in summary, and long story short, intestinal stem cells are responsible for the continuous turnover of epithelial cells within the gut lining. So the depletion of these vital intestinal stem cells can lead to a decrease in epithelial cell renewal, resulting in impaired intestinal barrier function and the increased susceptibility to damage and inflammation. So again, whether it be due to an intrinsic factor like the aged stem cells themselves and the altered gene expression, or an extrinsic factor like something like microbial dysbiosis, affecting the pool or supply of stem cells. It is not a good thing for the fate of the overall gut lining. So with all of that said, with all of that laid out there, what can we do? Well, I will say that stem cell therapy is pretty cool. However, it's really just not affordable yet and it's not well regulated yet either. And I say yet because stem cell therapy is very rapidly evolving. And I would not be surprised in the least if exponential strides were made pretty soon. So with that aside, 
what are some other things that we can do that don't involve getting these fancy IV infusions or injections of stem cells or other similar transplantation type treatments? For one thing, when it comes to combating the aged stem cells themselves, like I mentioned earlier, we really need to protect the mitochondria and reduce sources of oxidative stress. So that's one thing. And we also need to ensure there are no hidden sources of inflammation or things like gut dysbiosis that are negatively affecting these stem cells as well. But truly, most of that info is also just info that supports our general health and well-being. So before I do wrap up the episode, I want to niche down just a little bit and talk about a few kind of cool nutrients or compounds that are very specific that have been shown to support the stem cell health or renewal in the intestines specifically. And the first one I want to address is vitamin D. Now, in experiments with mice, researchers found when the vitamin D receptor was deficient on these intestinal stem cells, meaning there were not enough functional vitamin D receptors, it negatively affected the proliferation or growth and division of the intestinal stem cells and suppressed the regeneration of the intestinal epithelium, again, the lining of the intestine. And conversely, when the mice were fed a diet rich in vitamin D3, there was an increase in the number of what are called LGR5 plus stem cells within the intestine. And honestly, those are very cool research study findings that specifically address the intestinal stem cells and the relationship that vitamin D3 has on those stem cells. Now, the second one I want to talk about is actually pretty cool, and we know about it just in terms of intestinal health overall, but this is aloe vera. So again, the researchers here found an increase in LGR5 plus intestinal stem cells within the colon of a mouse as a result of aloe vera gel. The next one and the last one we are going to go over in today's episode at least is L-arginine. So another research study showed that L-arginine increases expansion of intestinal stem cells in mice. And as a result, they further concluded that they could suggest that L-arginine treatment does help protect the gut in response to injury, which of course we know makes sense considering the increase in intestinal stem cells, which are primarily responsible for this gut regeneration process. Okay, so there are a few other interesting studies out there showing increases in either the intestinal stem cell pools or intestinal stem cell differentiation resulting from things like different dietary protocols. But I think we will definitely save those for a future episode. So definitely let me know if you want to see that in a future podcast. Now, with that said, thank you so very much for tuning in. And I cannot wait to see you in the next one. Bye, guys. The content provided by the Synthesis of Wellness LLC via its podcast and domain is for informational purposes only and should not be used as medical advice or as a replacement for medical care. The Synthesis of Wellness podcast, synthesisofwellness.com, 
the Synthesis of Wellness LLC, and Chloe Porter disclaim responsibility from adverse effects resulting from using the content provided. Please seek and consult a licensed physician for your health and medical needs. Furthermore, Chloe Porter and the Synthesis of Wellness podcast are not responsible for the opinions of guests featured on the podcast.